This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. It's Shake Them Ropes. My name is Chris Dovembrino, and I am joined once again by a man who I am very glad to have on my side, Jeff Hawkins. You like my Tony Nese? I've been working on my Tony Nese. You like my Tony Nese? <laughs> oh, is that what that was? I was like, what did I back him up with? Because we fight so much about different things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll get into that. Um... We're having earthquakes here in, the, in Los Angeles. This is a lot of fun, and it's, uh, if you've never been through an earthquake, it's a little bit like being on the ocean, except you're on solid ground, and you're not sure if it's going to get worse or better, but but it's it's kind of like one of these rolling things, and the last time I was in a earthquake, I was in kind of a high-rise, so, so the buildings here are kind of like swaying a bit, but this one went for a while, and I was like... Oh man, this might be Northridge again. So, so it's a, bit, a little bit. Uh, I'm a little bit shook, but I am here and I am ready to talk some wrestling. This actually delayed taping. I'm mad that I didn't choose a one o'clock start time instead of one thirty because we could have got you having an earthquake on the air, and that would that. have been great radio. I thought about that and I went. I don't think they. I don't think I would have been as vocally nervous more than just thinking. Oh crap! I gotta get under. Something solid. <laughs> I mean, the, the live earthquake report would have been awesome, though. That That's good journalism. That's what uh, I'm here for, baby. Well, hey, they're expecting aftershocks, and perhaps this was a foreshock to an even bigger quake. Oh, yeah. Sometimes so the aftershocks even wish. bigger. Yeah, that's right. You might, that's you right. May, you may get your wish. And uh, you know what, Chris? It would be high. It would be the most downloaded show ever if I were killed. That's true. Quake. <laughs> well, Jeff, you know, there was a big shake-up in WWE this week with Paul Heyman taking over Monday Night Raw. Oh, God, I nailed that transition. Um, so <laughs> Thanks, you begin with Yeah, you, you want to begin this conversation there? Um, I, I, I just wanted to go a little bit into kind of the tonal shift of Raw and SmackDown because I don't think... I, there, there were little things in there, and then there's one overarching thing that's in the back of my mind that's kind of nagging a bit. Now, l- let's go to some of the positives I, I thought of it, because, look, Heyman's not running this show. Vince is still running the show. It's just Heyman is kind of in charge of putting it all together and then pitching it to Vince. I liked the attempt at having a through line of a major event that then everybody else kind of has to comment on because of the nature of its violence. Yes, the major WTF inflection point to begin the show was exciting. It took something that was kind of boring for me, which is the Braun Strowman-Bobby Lashley feud, and Bobby's still not exactly blowing my world away, but they made this very, very interesting and visually stunning spot that like actually stopped me, and I was like, oh, okay, that's big, all right, all right. Well, this harkens back a bit to at least the territory days, but also especially, I mean, I'm thinking of specific examples, or at least specific people, 
like on 605, something would happen like this. Like someone would get a beat down. And for some reason, Ric Flair would be out there to cut a promo. And they'd ask him about it. And he'd just go into some spiel about he knows that this is a sport of men. And he has paid the price for doing business. But he knew what he was getting into. He is a man, and he has my utmost respect. Those those kinds of comments where you're like, why is Ric Flair coming in on like Jimmy Garvin getting a concrete cinder block to the head? So so it had that kind of vibe to it to me. I don't think they quite got it in the execution because it just seemed like it it, it seemed more. Well, like, you try new things, so you still have to refine. But like, there are positive steps in the right direction. Yes. Yeah. Yes, but I mean, like Miz was like talking about Braun Strowman like he was dead. And it wasn't quite that, you know. It was a little. It was a little too dark. The injuries that. that they hypothetically sustained were funny. I liked a lot of the. Well, he has a broken pelvis, potentially, maybe a separated spleen. A lot of like conditional. We're not quite sure if he has this. He might have his head decapitated from his shoulders. Look, I was worried that they were. Gonna, I, I don't know if you remember this, but there was a time I believe. I think it was Jerry the King Lawler got beaten down and had to leave commentary. And I think it was Cole, Ross, and Booker T. And he gave yes. an update on Jerry yes. Lawler. And they and they said, you know what? He has some he has some uh you know, he has some cracked ribs, you know, a hurt neck and, and the anal runs bleeding. anal bleeding, yes. And Booker T just looked oh, what? <laughs> I was afraid it was gonna go in that direction. Just for a split second. Ugh. Um, the promos definitely had a different feel to it. Like, like the uh, the Lacey Evans and the and the Baron Corbin promo had shades of that um, ECW style, where Joey um, Joey Styles would be talking. And we go now to thoughts from you know Flyboy, Rocco Rock, and, and Johnny Grunge, and they're just kind of in the back, you know, just kind of talking. It had that kind of transitioning feel to it as opposed to like the self tapes and things like that. And I liked that a lot as well. Um, I, here's my overarching thing. I'm going to ask you about this because we had the S bomb that will live in infamy on raw. And we had the Kofi middle Kings, finger that will live in infamy. Kofi, Kings, Kofi Kingston giving the middle finger. Yeah. I suspect and I have no proof for this. This is what we like to call reckless speculation through analysis on this on this very fine show. That there is a complaint that there that the stories are not mature enough. And for some reason, I think they interpret that as it needs as more being swearing. Crass. Yeah. We need crassness. You know, the PG era is what's hurting us. So let's drop a swear bomb or some partial nudity. Or, you know, some middle fingers here and there. And that will be, quote unquote, more adult. When what I think people mean is we just want stories to make sense. I want to feel like my protagonist is an adult going through emotional states that are akin to an adult's emotional states, not a child's emotional states. And a lot of times when these storylines feel childish, it's because you see grown adults acting like children and thinking in very childish ways. And and obviously in the world of professional wrestling, there's always going to be a certain level of immaturity and implausibility about the way these characters act. But when we say we want adult themes, at least when I say that, 
I'm saying I want to look at Kofi Kingston and I want to see him struggling with what does it mean to be a champion with this career that I've had? What does it mean to be a good father and be a champion and be a positive role model rather than tossing around pancakes? Now, to discuss the profanities, the two different obscenities on the two different nights, um, I, I don't think there's any point, and this is someone who has a bit of a sailor's mouth, in just swearing for si- swearing sake, right? But I can make a little bit of a defense for the middle finger in the sense that you can at least take a visual image, a visual obscenity like that, and turn it into a meme. So there's a chance that Kofi Kingston flipping Joe the bird will be ported into cultural and political and other conversations, which in Increases visibility for WWE, and WWE's been fine with that, right? Like, they love the crazy Mr. McMahon ogling meme. They, they lean into any engagement they get on social media with the opinion of any engagement is good engagement. So, I can defend the visual one, Kofi flipping the bird, a little bit more than I can defend the just dropping the S-bomb on commentary. And it felt really ham-handed when Graves was doing it. Like, he was building up to it like a little kid, like, ah, 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 shit. I'll defend both in a, in a second, but, but my point was more, you know, on, on TV shows, like, I, the example I was thinking of is, like, Justified, which is based on an Elmore Leonard character, and Elmore Leonard characters are always various shades of a uh, scummy criminal, which always makes Elmore Leonard anything, uh, pulp, not Pulp Fiction, but Jackie Brown's based on an Elmore Leonard novel, Justified's based on an Elmore Leonard novel. Elmore Leonard novels are fun because, oh, out of sight, uh, with George Clooney and Jennifer Lopez. It's just these wacky characters who are very inept at crime and end up getting in trouble in, in many ways. But you also, within Justified, you'd have the interactions, but you'd also have set pieces. And there's nothing wrong with a good set piece. You just want it to get there through natural means and well-scripted means, as opposed to just, say, you know, what WWE does a lot of times is, well, we're just going to throw this match together right now. And you're just, okay, fine. Now, as for the two things, I, I view them a little bit differently. I, I think the Kofi thing, the complaint is that the New Day stuff is a little bit too kid-friendly. So we need to, to give him some championship credibility. We need to give him that edge to him. And that might be the reason behind the middle finger. Middle finger and pancakes. Well, you know, Stone Cold did the middle finger. He drank <laughs> there's beer. A lot of Stone Cold, there's a lot of Stone Cold mannerisms going around now, Chris. You got you got Kevin Owens do, bringing back the stunner, too. So Hey, at least they uh, turned Kevin Owens back babyface. I'm fine with did that. Did they? I, I, we don't know that. I, I, yeah, I guess we don't know that. Sure. Um, we'll, we'll bring that up in a sec. The, the, uh, the S-bomb moment. I You know what? I bought it for a moment. But, I mean, I... I it, I bought it as an attempt to shock that he was shocked by it. I I didn't fully go into the fact. I I do agree it was contrived in many ways, but I saw what the effort was there. And especially in the eight o'clock hour, I'm sure they cleared it with USA standards and practices. Um, I'll defend it as, as an attempt, but I if they do it again next week, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll crush it. Let's put it that way. Okay. Okay. So, so the Kevin Owens thing, yeah, that's weird because I thought that KO show and Dolph coming out was leading to something with Shane and Drew, and I thought, okay, this is kind of interesting. Maybe we have some of this bad guy and bad guy thing, and then just kind of, I, I think it hurts Kevin Owens in some ways. I think Kevin Owens is kind of in in danger of becoming. 
uh, you know, he's been turned too many times. He's turned, in, he's he's in, he's in danger times. of becoming Dolph Ziggler. Actually, he just turned heel after turning heel on the on the new day. Right. And you're turning right. him back. Baby. Face. Well, arguably that heel turn shouldn't have occurred. So because he came back and he was pretty hot as a baby face and they needed a fresh baby face. So turning him heel on the new day perhaps was ill-advised, and maybe this is a conceit that that was not the best choice. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure there were any other big things to hit on either Raw or SmackDown that really caught my eye in terms of stories, because they're all the—oh, conti- the Mike Kanellis thing. Yes, and I like how it wraps around into 205 Live, too. Mm-hmm. Can I, I just like say that, that the Mike Kanellis thing is actually quickly becoming a very rewarding storyline? I think Mike's pretty darn good in it. No, I, I do too. Sure. I, I think this is a good story. I, I you know, it's funny. He's was, I mean, for his entirety of his run here in WWE, he's been pretty boring and we've been pretty rough on him on the show here. But yeah. the story that he's currently in and his performance inside of the story that he's currently in, really good on both Raw and on two oh five live. I just love how all the threads are pulling together too. I love how we're building this tension between him and Drake Maverick. I think we're getting into a reboot of of Mike Kanellis because they're taking yes, they're going to yeah. eventually take Maria off. Which let, let me tell you something that is a that to me they signed a five year deal which we went over a couple weeks ago. This is the second time that Maria I think she got pregnant last time right after they signed their initial deal, or or Mike went in for rehab. I can't remember which, but they were taken off TV quickly after the introduction of this he took her last name story because of of one or the other and now again they sign a new deal and it's oh gotta go they are some they if they were working wwe for just money so they could sit at home they they are my heroes I worked with someone who uh, they did that gimmick, and uh, it, it's certainly impressive if you can pull that one off. It's impressive to be that shameless if that was your point. Now, it'll be interesting to see how the company handles Mike once Maria is absent from the screen for a while. I think they actually wrote her off on Raw so that they could reboot him on 205. I'm not positive of that because I don't think... Uh... I just don't see where they put him on that. But I liked the match with I liked what he, the little he did with Seth. Yeah, I did too. Cool. No, and I I mean I like that because it's all about relationships with the Canella mm-hmm. storyline here. So we have that initial interaction with Rollins and Becky and that kind of rolls into nicely the themes with Drake Maverick and his wife now, which is where I think this Michael Bennett feud is ultimately going to go. Since you are here, we are going to be doing the uh the Wednesday night showcase, Tuesday slash Wednesday night shows. Where would you like to start on this? Um, let's start on two hundred five live. Let's do it. Why not? Okay, cool. I uh, one of the things that I cheered for in, on this show, I loved that. Even though he wasn't on the show, they did a video package for Umberto Carrillo. I like that. That was smart. absolutely. I think that was smart. If he's not going to be on the show. Keep on saying he's one of your top stars. I thought that was cool. But before we go any further, we've got to start with the opening <laughs> promo here with Tony. No, I wanted to start positive. That's No, <laughs> for sure, for sure. But, Jeff, this was really bad. Tony Nice is actively bad at acting. And I made the joke about Tazawa last week, and that wasn't even really a joke now. That was honestly more of just a true statement of fact. So at the end of this promo... 
Um, if you haven't seen this promo, I'll, I'll describe it real quickly. Tony Nese is backstage with Jack Gallagher and Oni Lorkin. They're going to be having a match against the heel team. So it's like strange bedfellows, babyface versus heels match. And the babyface locker room having a little powwow. Everything's going well. Nese talks to Gallagher. He's like, oh, we've got you know, a big match here coming up tonight. Although if it's Nese, it's more like... Jack Gallagher, we have a very big match here tonight. And also, I am very frustrated about losing my Cruiserweight title, which I will get back at Extreme Rules. Um, and then Oni Lorcan comes in. Oni Lorcan's character, um, you know, uh, there's been a retroactive <laughs> continuity dud here, Jeff. We were making fun of the Windbreaker thing, and you may not like that Windbreaker gimmick, but that's very consistent with the tone that Lorcan has been throwing down ever since then, which is weird uncomfortable i am on your side tony niece and yeah that, it's good to I, be I, working I, with both of you they're gonna get it i is this is a conscious choice right uh, yeah 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 and, and so after oni's weird then tony niece is given a line that is a standard line that it's it's so stock and that, that's part of the problem with the tony niece dialogue too it's not just his performance it's the actual dialogue he's being given he's given the stock I'm glad he's on our side line, which you inflect <laughs> by leaning on the hour. The implication being this guy's Looney Tunes. It's good he's not on the other side of the ring. And Tony Nee says it. I'm glad he's on our side. Tonight's match will be chaotic. And that's fun. I'll see you boys out there. I'm glad he's on our team couple things I, it, it's so weird to watch a baby face talk about getting his title back amongst two other people i think he's going heel again so I, I can at least explain that line up i've known drew gulak for a long time and i'm gonna be honest this is the most dangerous i have ever seen him and to make matters worse he is parading around with my cruiserweight championship Become Extreme Rules, I plan on taking it back. I think he's okay. going heel again after he comes up short here. Oni Lurkin is everything I wanted Alexander Wolf to be in Imperium, and we'll get into that when we talk NXT UK. Sure, we'll put it sure. That way. Uh, but I, just, I, I watched it and I went, it's distracting me from the rest of the scene. It, it, it was. It was distracting for me how weird he was being in terms of, in terms of posture like he was standing at attention and ready for orders, sir. It's almost an Alicia Fox kind of weird thing. Yeah, but... the thousand-yard stare at all times mm -hmm. thing going on. But he's also doing this on his Twitter. So I'm, I'm thinking, you know, I'm this gonna, is the I'm character. Couple weeks. No, no, this is the Oni Lorkin character. And as I said, I do think Tony Nese is going heel, which is why there's some of the ambiguous dialogue, but then there are just lines that he's not delivering with the right inflection. There's just no two ways around it. Right. Um, so we had the Bollywood Boys and Lucha House Party in a Texas Tornado match. Fun little match. Yeah, fun little match. Good usage of the Bollywood Boys. I Can I just say, too, over these shows, I love Nigel and Aiden English. I think that they just have the most delightful and fun dynamic, and it makes listening to commentary such a joy. Well, well, on two hundred five, Nigel gets, Nigel gets to play straight absurd scenes and just gets to say absurd things. There was a point just, where he actually short circuited he, Aiden, and that was yes, amazing. It was the line about uh, the Rock. Yes, right, right. That yeah, the Bollywood boys like, are as big as the Rock. And I just, I, I also love, you know, after Aiden composed himself, the did they just take a bowling guy off a trophy and put? <laughs> 
I was like, okay. Aiden's back on. He had to compose himself a bit because poor Vic. Vic's just trying to get through without corpsing. And yeah, no, uh, the, these two have, have found their niche, I think. Oh, yeah. No, I, I could listen to them call the entire product. They're great. And then the six man. And then I the six man. the only other match. Yeah, it was the only other. Yeah, I think so. Was there. there no, there wasn't a squash match. Nope. Yeah, it was just the six man. And this was. Uh, this was. This didn't pick up till the second half, I think, when everybody started doing the stunts. But, I mean, it was. It's one of those things. Uh, oh, we have the return of the Jack Gallagher umbrella. Right. Oh, God. Yeah, unfortunately. I don't know. I mean, that got over on the main. That got over on Raw. Yeah, people did like the umbrella, but I, I just, I mean, the thing about Jack Gallagher is he doesn't really need the umbrella to be entertaining. Well, I think it's it, it it's weird because to me it kind of undercuts this kind of badassery he's been putting in the ring, even though it's been that Bugs Bunny kind of offense. Yeah, well, after that one bleeding spot where he looked like a real tough guy, I I thought that you did have a new flavor of Jack Gallagher to kind of go into, and the umbrella takes us in the wrong direction. I don't need Gulak stretching out people, but I actually wouldn't hate Gulak in an enhancement match, a non-title enhancement match where he just stretches some young guy, uh, just to show us the new merciless Drew Gulak a little bit more. Yeah, that always helps. Now let's uh, move over to NXT US. Get into that here a little bit. Yeah, yeah. You like that little twist out here? We began. It was a bit of a twist. I thought it was going to be UK. You thought? uh, No, please. Yeah, yeah. Mia Yim defeating Aaliyah and Vanessa Bourne. This kind of puts to rest this chapter of the Mia Yim versus the hires thing. Uh, It now appears Mia Yim is the one climbing up the ladder here. Not a ton to say about this match. Uh, Aaliyah. Still a little rough in spots, at least to my eyes here. I like Vanessa Bourne in the managerial role here. And did Mia Yim make an adjustment to the protect your neck so that it's less of the eat defeat now? She tweak it a little bit? I think she might have. I, I, it wasn't enough for me to notice at the time. Well, was, I, she, uh... she now uses the knee instead of the, me, or, uh, instead of the Gail Kim foot. Doesn't somebody else use Eat Defeat, though, somewhere on the roster? I, I think someone else like, does. Is it? Um, it's not Umberto, is it? Is it? Oh, God. It, you're right. It to is a male up, wrestler. Yeah. Yeah, to, to set up to set up something or to finish it. I can't remember which one. Might be Mar- Actually, Mark Andrews might, too. I can't remember who it is, but there's somebody that I saw them do it, so they may have just adjusted it not to be confusing if they decide to go cross-brand. And it appears that following this match here... She's building up to a match with Shayna. I did not love the at the desk with Moro screaming into the camera promo, though. I, I thought that it was missing something. Yeah, Moro uh, needs to learn when to bring it up and tone it down sometimes because he'll, he'll get excitable. And it's like, this is not the time to be that that excited. Um, yeah, I, I think full sale for Aaliyah is an issue now. Because yeah. you have people, she's been around so long that people want her to succeed, and it's become a natural story with the crowd where they're starting to chant for her during matches. Um, that that's, that would be something I'd be looking to try and quash if I'm if I'm in. Well, there's an easy way to quash that. It's called taking the show on the road. But that's yeah, true. if you're not going to take the show on the road, then you need to be prepared to address that at some point. And actually, to to that effect, if you want to kind of split up Vanessa Bourne and Aaliyah, I know it's early. But that at least gives Aaliyah a program where she can kind of advance if you're interested in doing an advancing Aaliyah story. 
So then after that, we had the Forgotten Sons in the office with William Regal. I really liked this, Jeff. I I thought that this was good. Uh, I thought the exchange between Regal and the Forgotten Sons, we're talking about more adult writing earlier in the show, right? This made sense. Regal had an adult understanding of the situation saying, it looks like to me that Yes, indeed, the Street Profits shouldn't be making matches or whatever, but you guys went out and demanded a title match and then chose to get yourself disqualified from it. So, no, I'm not going to bail your asses out. You guys are now at the back of the line. And the Forgotten Sons said, we won't forget about this, which was not cheesy. It made sense, but also is in line with their characters. I thought the for- we won't forget this line was uh, cheesy, and they should have just left it out and just had him stare at Regal and then just walk away. I'm with you that, that people could read between the lines that the Forgotten Sons were not going to forget about this, but I, I, I don't hate them saying that. I didn't hate it. I didn't. If they hate had it. said it, forgotten it, it, it just, no more to Regal, I would have rolled my eyes. Yeah, it's it's just okay. We got to get our uh, we got to get our tagline in quick, you know, kind of thing. This is why I thought forget and the different conjugation of it from forgotten actually did a little bit of lifting there. Um, I liked Steve Cutler in this a lot. Uh. I thought Wesley Blake was ridiculous <laughs> because Cutler's talking and Blake is like pantomiming behind him, like mouthing words and things. And you're just like, you, you're, you're being goofy. Stop that. You're, you're drawing focus from Cutler right now, who is cutting a pretty good promo on Regal. But overall, I mean, it, it, it was better than most Forgotten Sons promos, so I'll take it as a positive, and I will just go on with my life. Then we also, in that promo, got that next week, Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch are going to be going up against the Street Profits, although I suspect the Forgotten hmm. Sons might pop their head up. Hmm, you think? I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. I'm just throwing it out there. I- oh, that's something we didn't mention also uh, when we were going over Raw and SmackDown. The Street Profits have made an appearance on, on Raw. So their time with the NXT Tag Team Championships TikTok, may TikTok. be short. Yeah. Maybe short. Um, or they may just be getting them exposure, you know, to see, you know, if people like them and then they'll bring them up. You also have to do different okay. things to build baby faces a little bit. So maybe this is a way of kind of endearing them a little bit more with the audience. But but I think I know where you're going. And I don't know that I love the fam character and all of this singing that is going on. Yeah, that's the part. I, I liked the parts with Heyman because I thought they played off each other well. I did the singing part. I'm just like, I my my gut reaction is: Do we need another African American act that does musical or dancing of any kind? Do they all have to do that? Is that is that part of Vince's wheelhouse for character development? It gives them personality. Don't get me wrong. I I get that. So I'm not. I'm not ascribing malice to the position at all, yet. But it just seems, it just seems. That he has a very myopic sort of read with these type of characters and a myopic approach to them. Yes, yes. Um... I, yeah, I, the fan, they, they really got on the whole, uh, smoke thing too yeah i and this is what i was talking about with the cup and stuff i i I mean look you you know my position about smoke i don't have a problem with it but if this is supposed to be kid-friendly characters 
You can't be talking about that. You just can't. Well, be. It, uh, it well, but it's not smoke in the weed sense. It's smoke in the, uh, in the. Uh, uh, it, it, and, and the slang. red cup is is not about alcohol yeah. in the alcohol sense, except that it wink wink is. Well, uh, okay, but uh, but um, the double entendre, Jeff. Yeah, I, the the uh, they're they're taking those things like the like like the extended um, drawing out for Angelo Dawkins, which I I don't find the strongest part of his character. I like him being kind of hype man. For Montez, we'll see. We'll see how this goes. We'll see if they're even. There's back something on with week. the King Tez character that I like in the King Tez. Oh, I really gim- like it. Yeah, yeah. No, like I like the crown. It, it, it's not quite there yet. Like it needs a few more tweaks or whatever. But I like King Tez as as he's an about, idea. He's about a he's about a foot over the line for goofy. Right. That that right. Than I want. No, I need it yeah. reined in. But there there's pieces of that puzzle that are starting to come together you know what i really like i really love the adam cole bebe championship (laughs) celebration tour videos these are awesome dude these are so good they're telling this really great story contrasting adam cole and johnny gargano this week uh adam cole goes to gargano's pizza this is johnny's dad's place gets pizza and then drives over to johnny's wrestling school and then tells all of the students at Johnny's Wrestling School that they're never going to make it in this business and that Johnny was selling them a bunch of bullshit when he was letting them hold their title. And really what they should do is give up and just go eat some pizza and go home and sit on the couch. Oh, If at first you don't succeed. You suck. Quit. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I like this. I, I, uh, my, my, my script note here is don't have Adam bring attention to the fact that he put the picture on the wall. Just leave. And let him. I find agree. Eventually. I agree. I, I thought yeah. that that was that was a little much. And I also, I mean, you, you can't sit there and tell Mister Gargano to redo his acting or whatever. But I would have liked him to have been a little more just actively bitter at Adam Cole or like Johnny's mom. I would have liked Death Dagger. She's just staring at Adam Cole the entire time. So we had the futures tournament match between the former Shane Strickland, now known as Isaiah Swerve Scott. I know him as Killshot. I- I know him as Kill. Yes, we know him as Killshot as well. Um, I liked the great Scott comment from Morrow. I thought that was kind of absolutely cute. sure. Um, and the artist formerly known as Trevor Lee, aka now Cameron Grimes. I think these promo videos aren't very effective. I they, it's no, the one they're note- not. I'm I have swerve, you know, or and I'm the best. It's like, okay, that's not telling us that much about you. The other problem with the I'm the best promos, especially when seven of these guys are going to lose, is it sort of goobs them out. What we need is things to emotionally attach us and want to see them overcome the loss that they might incur. So with Grimes, obviously, we don't need to want to root for Grimes, so I have no problem with him saying he's the best. But with Swerve, yeah, I actually kind of want something to hold on to. Well, here, here's the thing. Trevor Lee on the Indies, and especially at uh, PWG, would do um, – he, he'd ask to be introduced as um, TNA superstar Trevor Lee, and he, he's doing the cocky gimmick. The problem was it wasn't over the top enough on this video – for me to know that it's over the top because he's saying, well, I'm the best wrestler in the world. And I'm, I'm thinking, well, then how come we haven't heard about you sooner? 
Yeah, at the age of 25, I'm the best wrestler in the world was something that did come off as cocky, but it was too subtle. Right, it was subtle cocky. And it was almost on the line of confidence. Like, you'd expect someone to actually believe that they're the best in the world, and you almost were like, oh, I kind of like that this guy's got swag. He's good. I I, I like Trevor Lee. I thought he had a nice showing here. Yeah, I hate to say this, because uh, Shane Strickland was part of my match of the year two years ago. There's a tag team match with him and uh, Sammy Callahan, of all people, against, because uh, I'm not a big Sammy fan, versus the, uh, South Pacific, versus the South Pacific power trip of Travis Banks and uh, T.K. Cooper that I just loved from Evolve in uh, or- Orlando. Yeah, it was Orlando that time. And I love Trevor Lee. Trevor Lee is one of my favorite people to watch. This match was dull for the first half. I put I a think. lot of that on Swerve, man. I, I've seen Killshot just be a lot more interesting in the ring than what we got right, in this match. You're the Lucha Underground for Voices of Wrestling. Yeah, yeah, I know. I reviewed him for years. So I, I, he's normally, there was a little bit of the rolling-based offense, but, you know, he does, like, rolling cutters and a lot of other very interesting moves. I was interested to see how some of those poured into WWE, and he's really having to rein in what he does in the context of an NXT match. Um, And I don't think he's quite found that happy blend yet from the indies to NXT. Yeah. It picked up in the second half when, when uh, the moment that uh, he did the Fosbury flop, I think over, over the ropes, um, it, it started to uh, start, started to pick up a bit. And then, and then of course that I love the double foot stomp as a finisher because he can get it out of nowhere. Right. Right. um, I mean, I, I love Swerve, don't get me wrong, but uh, the, I think the crowd was tired, too, once this match was taped, and they finally got into it once they started up in the thing. But yeah, the first half, to me, I was like, wow, this is a lot more pedestrian than I thought I would see out of these two for the first half, but maybe that was by design. So, I mean, I'll, I'll give them, again, I'll give them this. I, it was a good match. It got, I'm going to call him Trevor, but no, Cameron Grimes. Over. I love Cameron Grimes' theme music. Yeah, no, it's really good. I, I love a, that guitar tone. It's a mix of Southern Blues and, like, Genuine's My Pony. It, it's very, yeah, it, it, trust me, just listen to it. it. It's, the beginning of it sounds like my uh, Genuine's My Pony. Oh, Swerve has odd. a good theme, too. He, he, he's got a really nice, like, kind of oomphy Ford chord progression that, that's going mm-hmm. in his. And, um, it, it's still stock, but among, like, kind of stock production themes... I thought that this one has a little bit more of a hook than some of the other uh, CFO-style production themes that they've come up with. Um, we had a couple and of squash matches here we should discuss real quickly. My match of the week you, the was Kushida- Bianca Belair squash. Oh, okay, Bianca. I was like, the Kushida one? Um, yeah, no, I, no. I really enjoyed this. I thought that Priscilla Zuniga showed good fire and then got obliterated. Do you know anything about Priscilla Zuniga? I don't. Do you? Zuniga? No, I do not. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually look her up now. But I was trying to think, think of her name. Okay. Uh, oh, known for her time in Impact as uh, Diamante and also known, okay, on the independent circuit as Angel Rose. I recognize that name. Okay, cool. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. I liked her. I liked her in this, but, man, I loved the viciousness of this. It's a reboot of the character. Yes, no, absolutely. Which she needs. Get back on track. Totally on board with that. And. And I liked Kushida and Jeff Parker, too. Real effective. I I thought that the actual application 
of the Sakuraba lock. I like that we're moving away from the hoverboard, hoverboard. lock. Yes, I, yeah. no, that that was a small thing, um, but but a, an important thing. The way that Kushida did the arm submission looked particularly brutal and stiff and like really oomphy and impactful. I liked all of that. I like that they're getting away from the Michael J. Fox cosplaying. Yes, thing. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's gonna really. I mean, I think that's gonna help him in the long run because this gimmick is fine. It's just not everybody knew it, so not everybody was playing along with it. And then once you see it, it's like, oh, okay. Now he has to impress a new audience. So he's not going to be able to live off of, you know, reputation like he did in Japan. So, yeah, no, I, I was good with this. I, I liked I liked, uh, I, I liked that they're kind of rebranding him as they go little by little. And then I was surprised with Roddy getting the win over Tyler Breeze here. Good little match. I liked this match. I love Breeze back in NXT. Was surprised to see him lose here, though. Uh, I was not. Really? I, okay. I was a little... I, I, I think... Uh, I think they're... I know what's coming, so I can't really... Okay. I can't really say anything about what I think without mentioning it, so I won't. Um, that is a difference between you and I, as I always watch these without the spoilers. Without, I usually watch spoiler-free, but I ended up getting spoiled by this one because I opened up Twitter and it was there. Ah, okay. But I hate that. I, I, I think it's going to be... It's a character choice to have him lose right now. Okay, okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was just thinking kind of more in the Breeze needs a certain level of uh, strength. But okay, if you're saying it's a character choice, there we go. Uh, let's move on over to NXT UK. Go back into the mud. Let's get into it. Into the mud. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, that, that promo was uh, kind of fun, I thought. I, look, I, I don't hate it. I Gnome Dar... It's not a guy that has ever. Oh, that one. Okay. Yeah, well, that's. I was saying. I was saying. I was saying the Coffee Brothers one. Oh, the Coffee Brothers one. Yeah, I. I didn't hate that one either. I thought that was kind of cool. I. I, I like the whole. You got what you wanted, and they just shoved him out of the room. We're wearing these boots. Um. Yeah, I. I liked the beginning match of this. I liked Piper Niven and and Rhea Ripley. I. The thing I didn't like was Rhea Ripley's reasoning. I wish there had been a better line than. You think you're the most dominant in the NXT UK universe. Come on out here. It's like, just just say you want to fight her. Right. That I'm done waiting for this. I'm done hearing yes. you talk. I'm just, I just want to fight. Um, And, and then yeah, let's talk a little bit about Piper, just... too. Okay. Um, So, I am aware that fitness comes in all shapes and sizes. And I know that I'm about to open up a door here. But there are various, there are various points Hold in this. Hold on. Hold on, you can you can reach Chris at Twitter at Chris Novembrino. Yeah, by all means, no, bring it, bring it, because because uh, I'm I like look, um, I I'm in favor of uh, different body shapes and sizes. Vader's my favorite wrestler of all time, so let's start with that caveat here. But there were points in this match where Piper seemed to have really limited flexibility, and I worry about her safety in the ring taking a bad bounce because her body does not have the contraction and expansion that other people have because of the weight that she's carrying. Let me ask you if you find this an apt comparison. Female Dave Mastiff. A little bit, except that I think Dave's got a little more core strength. 
I, I think okay. there therein lies the difference. Is, is it's like it's like Otis, right? O- Otis is a round individual, but he's like all muscle. Okay. Yeah, right. And Dave, <laughs> round individual, but he has got a ton of muscle on his frame. I, I, yes. I don't know the BMI of all of these people, but I would suspect that Niven's BMI is not comparable to Mastiff's, even though we we do think about them frame wise as being similar ish. Yeah, o- o- Otis has that uh, kingpin type thing where you think he's fat, but no, it's really all muscle. Um, yeah, I liked this. Uh, Rhea Ripley continues to build herself into just an absolute brick crap house. Um, yeah, she, she is, is a monster. She is, dude. She, she is so jacked. Yeah. Um, I like, <laughs> I liked the tone of the match. I did. I like, I like having heat in this match. I like that too. Yeah. I, I was surprised that Piper got the win first time out clean. Um, it was a so little I, bit to me it, anticlimactic it, it, it signals, with the W, right? Like when when she turned the corner, that, that, yeah, it signals that Rhea's getting the win at Takeover. That's what it signals to me. Um, but other than that, you know, it's a solid match. I understand your concerns. Um, I think. Uh, Did you see some of the flexibility issues I'm talking about? I'll have to go back and watch because that wasn't something that that really came up on my mind. I thought maybe the cardio was a little bit uh, in need. A bit, but I thought she represented herself well, so I, d- I didn't see these issues. But you know what? I'm not gonna dismiss them necessarily. I'll just have to go back and watch and see. Next, we had Alexander Wolf versus Jack Stars in an enhancement match. Has Jack Stars been hitting the gym? Because he is in very good. He's a small guy, but he's in very good shape. He's got good thighs. He's always been in good shape. I love Jack Star, but every time he com- stars, but every time he comes out, you know he's gonna die. Oh yeah, absolutely. That, that's, that's his role. He dies his role for our sins. Red, yeah, red shirt on Star Trek, the ensign who's going down with Kirk, and he's gonna get blown away. Star's Trek. I need to talk about this Alexander Wolf presentation. Um, they've done a 180 on the character in one week, and I I don't know if I like it. I I get it. And it's it's cool for what it is, but I really like the dynamic of everybody's super serious in Imperium, and then you have this guy who's really in it for the violence, and he's kind of like having the Joker on your team. He's not out of control wacky, but he takes a little bit too much pleasure in hurting He's the loose cannon. He A little bit of a loose cannon, but not that loose. I didn't want him that loose, necessarily. He knows what he's doing. He's just a little bit more, he's in it for the sadism rather than the uh, honor of the mat kind of thing. But yeah, I, that's what I was expecting out of him. Instead, they've kind of made him, a li- not, I won't say dull, but he's 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 very, very bland. Erudite, I would guess, would be a good word for it. No, he's, he's trying to fit in. Matter of fact. Yeah. Matter of fact. No, yeah. I mean, it's, it's uh, Walter's buddies, uh, to uh, paraphrase the crowd. You have Walter like, and his buddies. Like, when I envision Imperium, it's the stern faces of Walter, Fabian Eichner, and, um, and and I'm going to call him Axel Dieter. Marcel Bartel. Marcel Bartel. And then just that weird, scary grin of Alexander Wolf that he had in Sanity. And you're just like, oh, that's interesting, that kind of thing. But, um, yeah, I, I like the squash for what it is. He, he's very good at doing the technical stuff, I think. So I'm, I'm, 
Oh yeah, the I, Death I like Valley driver looked awesome, and so did mm-hmm. the power bomb. So uh, yep. Wolf has really great offense, and it looks really, really crisp. But yes, it was an interesting twist to this character for sure. We had another squash, Jazzy Gabbert with Ginny defeating Danny Luna and Mercedes Blaze in like really fast time. Quick dominator for the W on Blaze here after annihilating Luna. I like this though. I I loved the spot where Luna is like running behind Jazzy Gabbard and goes for a big punch. Nothing, no luck, and then just gets obliterated into it. And Slay Queen Jenny is just great in her presence with with this thing. I love the entire dynamic of the act. And yes, this is how you get over a monster. You have her kill two prelim people. Absolutely, I, I, I liked it a lot. I like the Cassius Ono video package as well. I thought that was a lot of fun. I love the whole thing about the super kick with Gentleman Chris Adams. I really want to get the story, once he's out of WWE, of his... Because he has certain choices in sports teams. And I've seen them all. Like, he has he has the Sacramento Kings, because I think it's Chris Webber. He's a big fan of Duke basketball, because that was the cool team to root for when he was a kid. Toronto Raptors. He has Raptors? Okay, because I know he has Phoenix Suns because of, I believe, Barkley. Or Jason Kidd. I can't remember which. I, I would just like the stories behind his choices in, in, in his fashion. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. no, I, I like Cassius Ono as, uh, as British wrestling expert. And then we had our main event, which was Mustache Mountain versus the Grizzled Young Veterans. Technically, Mustache Mountain wins this match, but it kind of goes to a no-finish when Imperium interferes. Before we talk about the Imperium part, let's talk about the match. I thought this match was really good, and the crowd was really getting into the late part when they were going for the near fall. So those 2.9s were really convincing. I thought we were actually going to get a clean finish to this match. Really liked it. Really liked James Drake in it, and I'm usually one of the people who criticizes James Drake as being kind of a weak link in this match, in these matches, or just not fitting in into the style. Zach Um, Gibson dragging James Drake back to the corner to make the tag was an amazing spot. And Vic did a really great job calling it, too, by going... Well, I guess it's technically not illegal. The right level of disgust in his voice, um, actually calling out the spot. No, it was good. I, I thought he did a very nice job there. I didn't like this team when they first got together, but they have a unique chemistry. Yeah, I, 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 I will, I will agree with because I didn't understand why Zach Gibson would team with a guy like like James Drake. I still don't know that I do know why a guy like Zach Gibson <laughs> would team like a guy. And, and that's something that they could clarify for sure. Because Gibson's a great probo. I need a little bit more about why these guys are friends. Yeah, I need the connection. I need what's the connective tissue here between these two. And I also need, and this is a, uh aesthetic point, I need this ring announcer when they announced the team of Zach Gibson or Liverpool's number one Zach Gibson and James Drake, the grizzled young veterans, I want that branding there as opposed to just announcing them as the team of Liverpool's number one Zach Gibson and James Drake. I, I, that, it's a little touch, but I think it matters, especially when you have the Titan Tron branding of grizzled young veterans. And you have. I mean, maybe even Zach Gibson should grab the microphone from him and introduce himself to make sure they get some heat on themselves right to begin the match. Yeah, I'm fine with that. You know, cutting the cheap heat promo and then and then introducing themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This man is. Yeah, this man is James Drake, and I am Liverpool's number one Zach Gibson. 
but I think so far as it was one of those things where, you know, Mustache Mountain always got to be Mustache Mountain. You you have to do the same with the Grizzled Young Veterans because they've 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 uh, they've branded themselves as such. So so I'd like to just keep the branding consistent. But yeah, no, I like this match a lot. I liked the beatdown. And the beatdown also brings me back to a point I forgot to say about 205 Live. I love that the beatdown continued until the cameras went off and that it never stopped. I liked almost everything about this beatdown except Trent Seven's acting was not and that which is weird because Trent Seven someone I normally think is awesome at like promos and acting. I thought his the screaming? Yes, I thought his reactions to Tyler were not on pitch. I think he should have been looking at Imperium and basically like frothing like I will get revenge on you. Yeah, I I think they were going for the he he felt helpless type of thing where he's watching the but I don't think the destruction was enough to warrant the crying Trent Seven. You know, if he was bleeding all over the place. A shattered which, spirit. Which yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. He should have had resolve, like he was going to get his revenge on Imperium. I think the shattered spirit comes, yeah, if you've been beaten mercilessly with a chair, and now you're chained to the turnbuckle, bloodied to a pulp and immobile, and you're now watching your friend with one eye, the one that's not covered in blood, getting you know powerbombed on the yeah. outside by Walter. Then I understand him just screaming for Tyler. But where he was at at that point, because um, he hadn't really been beaten up that badly by Imperium, not compared to Bait. Um, yeah, it should have been screaming like, I will have my revenge on you. Yeah, if I'll, I'll even segue for this. If it was like we saw on the Crockett Cup, which will be our Patreon episode dropping sometime this weekend... Uh, you know, Tommy Rogers was locked up and Bobby Fulton was bleeding all over the place as the sheep herders beat him down. I could see that kind of yelling for Bobby and like, no, kind of thing. But this one should be, I'm going to get you back so hard type of thing. And by the way, you can get those Patreon episodes at patreon.com slash shake them ropes for as little as a buck a month. I think that's all we have to talk about, too. So you were just getting us nicely into the plug section here. We might as well stay on it. You can find Jeff at Crap Game 13. You can find me at C-H-R-I-S-N-O-V-E-M-B-R-I-N-O. You can follow us on Twitter at Shake Them Ropes. That's the podcast feed. And, of course, we have the Patreon that Jeff just plugged. My other shows are Don't Worry About the Government, which you can find at Don'tWorry.tv, on iTunes, and on Stitcher, and the All in the Family podcast. I'll have another episode of that out over the weekend as well. Podcasts all over the place if you want them. So, with that said, everyone, please enjoy your 4th of July, and happy birthday, America. Earthquake! Earthquake! <laughs>